Good afternoon and welcome to Regarding ID, the podcast series. We're talking today with several gentlemen who are responsible for the GridSure technology, a new identification technology that's helping to secure mobile phone devices, online banking systems, ATMs, and other technologies. It's really a kind of a revolutionary new concept, and the beauty of it is in the simplicity and the idea that, that, that patterns can be more recognizable and, and memorable to human beings than, than numbers or passcodes and things like that. So I'm happy today to have with us Neil Headley-Smith, the business development manager for GridSure. Steve, Hello there, Chris. Hi, how you doing, Neil? Thanks. Uh, Steve Howes, the CTO and co-inventor, and Jonathan Kramer, the chairman of the company. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining us today, and, and uh, we'll look forward to, to learning a bit about your technology and the company and how this all came to be here. To begin, we, if, if, if one of you would like to kick it off and, and tell us a little about where the concept came from and, and just how it works at the most basic form for those, those listeners who haven't seen the technology yet. Okay, Chris. We were simply asked the question, is it possible to create a new PIN number every time? Because in the UK we have chip and PIN now. Actually, today the day we're talking is the, the second birthday of chip and PIN in the UK. But somebody asked the question, is it possible to create a new PIN number and ergo a new passcode every time you do something? And uh, previously, the industry has been looking at tokens and all kinds of things. And we thought, this is an interesting question. Anyway, Steve and I sat down around his kitchen table. Um, we, we threw a few ideas around. And I believe, anyway, in about half an hour, we came up with an answer. And the answer was to create a, a choice of squares at its simplest level on a grid, just for the user, instead of choosing a passcode, to choose a set of squares. And he has the option, he or she has the option, to use a pattern to help remember those squares. And quite simply, looking at a similar grid upon authentication, you have random numbers in every cell. And if you've pre-chosen four, five, six squares, cells. You just read off the numbers which occur in those cells, and hey presto, you have a new code every time. So the idea is then that the, that the presentation from the system of the, the numbers or the, the icons that are inside those squares changes each time, but my pattern that I've memorized, as my, instead of a pin number, I'm memorizing a pattern of squares, and then I'm choosing the numbers that appear in those patterns based on the, the, the certain presentment that I'm, that I'm given? Exactly, because the characters in each cell change every time, and you've actually got repetitions of those characters, obviously with 0 to 9 numbers on a 25-cell grid, you have two and a half repetitions of every character and so if there's, there's a nine in one corner, there might be a nine in another square somewhere else, um, quite possibly a nine somewhere else. And somebody looking over your shoulder has great difficulty shoulder surfing what your pattern is. And that's your secret. It's your pattern and choice of cells. Uh, the number you give out is a representation only. It, it kind of creates a safety layer because with a PIN number or password, you give up that every time you use it, it's input into a website or an ATM or a till. But the beauty of this system is that you never actually give up the core secret, just the number it creates. That's great. It makes, makes perfect sense when you explain it like that. 
the it's it, it also seems to be that it, it's in essence it's a one-time password generator but that's hardware independent so I don't have to carry around a keychain or a token is that another another advantage of the system absolutely it gives you the benefit of a, a one-time password without any additional hardware but that doesn't necessarily preclude you from having a, uh, the grid being generated on a separate device if you wanted to uh, we've got some interest from from some parties who who would like to have the grid generated on a separate device, either on a, a separate grid shore token or on a, a something like a cell phone. Um, the beauty of, of grid shore over a standard token, if if you had grid shore on a token, typically you would have a pin number that's associated with it. So, if you ever need to to uh, to identify yourself with a standard token, you'd have to type in the, the, the digits on the token and the PIN number. Okay. Now, the advantage that Gridshaw gives you if you had Gridshaw on a token is that you're identifying what you know uh, um, along with what you have as a one-step process. So it's a much, much simpler process than having to, to carry a, a, a single, single token. Chris, can I just add one little point to what Steve just said? Please. Um, a very simple way of thinking of this is that it takes passwords and pins and combinations. It could be on safes, door locks, anything else. It takes all these simple codes that we've been using for years, and it upgrades them. It, it gives them a security upgrade because we, we now have much more. I know technically we had key logging probably 40 years ago, but um, it's, it's much easier for fraudsters to key log or shoulder surf and so on. Now it's become much more of a threat. This takes passwords, pins, combinations back to the secure position they were in a few years ago. So I suppose that from a shoulder surfing perspective, the possibility for someone to still break a code would be there, but they might have to shoulder surf you tens or hundreds of times and be making notes as to things and trying to figure out a complex pattern as opposed to looking over a shoulder and one time getting the password, which most of us are never going to allow the same person to, to, to shoulder surf from behind us in an ATM line hundreds of times in a row without noticing something. But you're absolutely right. Somebody would have to both have a, a view of the grid uh, and, and a, really a copy of the grid and uh, uh, monitor the keystrokes several times and then forensically sit down and deduce what the pattern is. It, it's not something that you can easily casually do. Right. To, to change gears a little bit, when I when I met you all at, a, at an event a few months ago and, and saw some of these demos and first became interested in the technology, there were you were you were describing the the concept that a pattern can be more easily remembered by the human brain than a pin number or a series of numbers, letters, things like that. And it, I think there were even some studies done with school children or some trials that were done with school children about that. Can you can you elaborate that on, on that for the listeners? One of the first things we did after we came up with the idea of Gridshaw was to uh, get some tests done to see how well people could remember patterns. Uh, we approached a lady by the name of Professor Angela Sasser at University College London. She is a, a professor of human-centered technology. And uh, she, she works uh, with the UK government on a number of authentication schemes. It's really wherever anybody is, the mem any member of the public is dealing with, with technology. Um, and they ran a user trial uh, for us, uh, looking to see how well people could remember a pattern uh, as opposed to remembering a static PIN number. 
uh, and they did a pilot study with 50 users, um, and everybody enrolled first time. Everybody understood the basic concept first time. Um, and then really what they wanted to see was how well people could remember to use Gridshaw over an elapsed period of time compared to a PIN number. So what they did is they tested people at periodic intervals, and one group of people, they left 12 weeks before uh, uh, checking them again. And overall, uh, their success rate was in the order of 93, 94%, which compared to a PIN number, they said is very, very good indeed. We've, we've had uh, a number of people, uh, uh, both during our usability and uh, with some of the other work that we've done with people, where people have said, um, you know what, when I use an ATM machine, I don't actually remember the numbers I'm typing in, but I remember where my fingers walk around the keyboard. Um, and in fact, uh, an interesting little story is um, I'm told that uh, on ATM machines in the US compared to ATM machines in the UK, the numbers are the, the other way up. Um, I, I think uh, ours are, is it one, two, three along the top? And uh, I think your, your, yours are in a slightly different order. And we, we've had a number of people who have said, you know, when I go, go to the US and I want to get money out of an ATM machine, I really have to go back and remember what my PIN number was because I can't just sort of follow the pattern on the keyboard anymore because the numbers are in a different order. Huh. Interesting. The, the uh, idea is to stop Americans drawing out cash in the UK. <laughs> right right now with our currency the way that it is against yours, I, I'm sure we're, we're not drawing out very much currency in the UK anymore. <laughs> Some place the grid has to reside, and so that's back in the software that would kind of kind of drive the system. The, the, the pattern that I entered when I registered my, my PIP has to live on a piece of software or on a, on a machine someplace so that the the new grid can be presented to me as the challenge, and then my response to that challenge can be authenticated as either accurate or, or not accurate. Okay, the, yes, you're right. The PIP does need to be stored by the authenticator, and typically what we'd recommend is that the patent position, the, the, the PIP is defined as, let's say you had a four-cell PIP, mm -hmm. Uh, that would be four binary digits that represent the position within a pattern, the coordinates within the pattern. So that would sit with the authenticator. But in terms of issuing challenge grids and verifying challenge grids, there are a number of methods that you can use. You could either have the uh, authenticator issue the challenge grid itself, uh, and then after the user has, has responded, uh, verify that challenge grid against the uh, the pattern that's stored in the database based on a card number or a user ID as a key. Or you could have the grid being algorithmically generated by a separate device. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, if you had a, a cell phone or a super token that was generating the grid, um, the authenticator, when, it, when the authenticator gets the, uh, the request to authenticate a challenge, it could compute the grid that it knows that that user is seeing. So the, the grid could be computed right at the end of the validation uh, cycle. Okay. So, in, so, so if, I'm, if I'm understanding you, either the, the main issuer or solution provider could create the grid when it's requested, or a third party could create the grid and then transmit both that grid and the response back to the, authentic, or back to the issuer's system to check the both the grid, so that the challenge and response would occur, is always going to occur back at the issuer's solution. Absolutely. Let, let's take an example. Let, let's uh, 
say, an ATM machine, for example, where an ATM machine is a trusted device, uh -huh. uh, an ATM machine could locally generate the challenge grid without any reference whatsoever to the, the, the pattern, uh, take the, the user's card number and the user's response, and package that up and send it to the bank uh, across the wire for authentication. Uh, and then the bank would just simply uh, return and accept or deny. So uh, in that situation, you're only actually ever making one call to the bank. Right. That's very nice. That, and, and I can, and just for, for listeners out there thinking about that, it, you know, we're thinking about this as a physical, visual grid that you see, but in that transmission back and forth between the bank, that could be just one transaction ID in essence that has the information, the, the numeric information about the, grid and then the numeric information about the response that was just transmitted as a string, I suppose. And then, Absolutely. Then, be just one, one packet of data yep. that needs to go back to the, uh, to the authenticator. So very much no different than a, a traditional card authorization or, or payment authorization that could just be added on to that process to, to, to up its security by light years, I suppose. Absolutely. That's great. We are getting a lot of interest in GridShore for corporate login. Uh, for VPN access, um, uh, for uh, uh, a Windows login or, a, a, well, any sort of computer login uh, at all. So big market in the corporate world for us, uh, big market in the financial services world, especially for online type uh, authentication, uh, and also, uh, as I say, in the hardware world for, for door access control and, uh, and that side of things. One of the big issues is the fact that having two different forms of identification um, your PIN number when you're on the high street, and then uh, a strong password when you're trying to carry out a transaction online. Um, it's effectively a barrier to e-commerce. So Gridshaw stands, frankly, as a means to allow one means of authentication, both on and offline, which provides one-time passwords or digital signatures, depending on the way you want to run it. Um, and is incredibly easy for users to use. Yeah, yeah. Just adding something else to that, um, I've got in front of me um, a, a magazine article where a, a well-known gentleman from a big software company, I won't name which, which it is, but he actually says consumers are overwhelmed with the plethora of passwords and usernames they're expected to remember and are, and this is very significant, reverting to offline transactions. Well, if I was sitting in a management of a card company, I'd, I'd want to do something about this. Yep. We, we believe that Gridshaw could be part of making it acceptable to users. Hmm. How about the, the, the kind of the business model here? So let's say somebody's, one of our listeners is out there and they've got a, an application for corporate logon that they've been struggling with, or it's a campus that says, hey, we're, we're spending, we've got two FTEs or employees who are doing nothing but helping students reset passwords and PIN numbers and things because of forgetfulness and loss and lack of use and things, or, or a financial institution that's looking at FFIEC guideline compliance. How would, how would somebody go about figuring out what you're doing, uh, learning to, or, or, or implementing this as a, as a part of their security solution? Okay, uh, our, our business model is primarily a, a licensing model uh, in the same way as if you wanted to go out and buy a hi-fi, you would, you would, uh, uh, a hi-fi hi company would be licensing uh, technology from somebody like Dolby. 
so our, our business really is is licensing the uh, IP and the Gridshaw brand, which uh, we we are building into a, a trusted brand that that the man in the street will will, will recognise and, and know that they're they're using a, a piece of technology that they they know and trust. And we're working through partner organisations. Um, uh, to deliver Gridshore-based solutions. We have a number of partner organizations out there who provide uh, uh, server authentication engines. Uh, we've got people in the uh, 3D secure world who we're partnering with, people who are uh, uh, building POS devices uh, and, and those sorts of things who are uh, adding Gridshore as a, as a, as a plug-in or an, another ingredient to their uh, product set. So you'll be soon starting to see a number of these project, uh, products starting to uh, appear on the market. I um, don't know whether I can mention names of particular companies, but there are companies like Active Identity who we're working with. We've got Gritchell working with their Fortress product. Uh, there's the uh, Excelsior uh, product from CGI, which is a single sign-on product, uh, which uh, can be Gritchell-enabled. A number of partner companies who we're, we're working with who are, are developing Gritchell-based solutions. And if someone was interested in implementing on their own, is there an opportunity for that to come and license direct from you and build it into a, a, their own web servers for, say, a, a, log, a corporate logon application or something? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, if, if they, they want to contact us, uh, we can, uh, we can uh, uh, arrange for them to have a, a license to develop. Um, we can provide them with uh, assistance and support and technical guides and, uh, and in some cases, uh, uh, things like Windows DLLs and other, other tools that they can use to develop their own solutions. So, yeah, it's a very simple process. Uh, come and talk to us and we can provide you with a license and provide you with the support that you need to get, uh, get your own solutions developed. I could see this rolling out in, in two architectures, maybe a, a very dispersed architecture where the there were many issuers where you know each each individual institution whether that was a corporation or an educational institution or a financial institution was managing their own back end and presenting servers or i could see it more in a in like a pki or certificate authority model where there was one major controller that many parties could sign on to so in other words i might have the same Gridshare password that I utilized for my corporate login that I could also use for my bank card and for other things, as long as there was this certificate authority kind of concept, obviously it wouldn't be called quite that, but maybe a, a PIP authority that, that managed that for other entities who wanted to sign on and use that trusted third party. Is that something that, that has been discussed? That has been discussed with a number of companies. We are in discussion with a number of companies uh, around that uh, area. Um, you, you raised a very interesting point on uh, PKI, PKI certificates. There, we've had a number of inquiries from com companies who are wanting to provide solutions uh, where you can use Gridshaw to un unlock the access to the, uh, the digital certificate. And a number of people are saying, look, this is a really great way uh, of, of unlocking, uh, unlocking a digital certificate and, and making PKI, PKI a lot more accessible to people. Well, just one little point, Chris. Uh -huh. it, it's a very simple but significant point. A lot of people say, what about people just choosing obvious patterns or pips? What, what if they just all go for the, for the four corners? Well, 
For a start, our, our evidence with testing so far is that people don't go for obvious ones. Obviously, one is always, as it were, playing a, a kind of a security game, and we have done for decades with passwords and pins. You need something that you don't think is very obvious. No, nobody in their right mind would put 11111 as their pin. Um, but for instance, if, if you have um, the software set up so that it bans certain things, so if it detects, sorry, Mr. Smith, you've just put in uh, the four corners, could you choose something else, please? You've actually got far more control, if you think about it, over the passcode than if you just allow somebody to randomly put in their cat's name or something. Because there's, there's particularly with the, the possibility of social engineering, you, you've got those dangers. It's going to be far more difficult to socially engineer something out of an individual. And with the, the way that Gridshaw can be set up and engineered, it can just say, no, you've drawn a straight line. We, this particular bank, we don't like that. Choose something else. So immediately, you've got far more control with this sort of system. Yeah, I probably just scared 30% of our listeners who said, oh, wow, they, they figured out that I use my cat's name as my as my password. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I, with the uh, with the basic minimum specification for Gridshaw, which is a five by five grid and four uh, picks for your pit, uh, you're looking at 390,625 possible uh, pips, which uh, obviously it's a rather a lot better than 10,000 possible pin numbers. Now you can effectively ban 10,000 different patterns and still have 380,000 left. Basically, it's putting something very complicated in the hands of an individual, which actually enables that individual to do uh, complex maths with something very simple. So we're, we're giving them a simple graphical interface, uh, which enables them to uh, create some pretty high security for themselves. Well, and, and that takes us back full circle to my first comment. And what, what when I first met you all and, and saw the technology was so impressive to me was the idea that it's one of those things where you kind of hit yourself on the head and go, wow, why didn't I think of that? Because it, it is such a simple concept and yet seems to have so much application and, and, and possibility out there for changing the way we use passwords and, and, and secure our system. So, gentlemen, I, I really appreciate the time today. And, and I do want to mention, I know you've got some, some interesting demos online. This is one of those visual things that's very hard to talk about in a, in a podcast or a radio show. But I'd encourage all of our listeners to go check out some of the, some of the demonstrations online. And if you all want to tell us how, to, how, how they can get to those demos, that'd be great. Okay. Certainly, it's uh, our website is www.gridshore, which is G-R-I-D-S-U-R-E dot com. Uh, up in the top left, sorry, top right corner, uh, it says CR demo. Perfect, and it, it it's worth the time, everybody. So I encourage you to go out and take a look at it. And, and gentlemen, Neil, Steve, Jonathan from Gridshare, I thank you very much for your for your efforts today with us, helping us understand your technology. And good luck to you, and we'll look forward to seeing it out there. Thank, thank you, Chris.